Welcome back. I trust you all had a good afternoon. We got a little bit of rest. Enjoyed some good company. Tonight, we're going to be back in the book of John. We're going to finish up John chapter 7. Christ is going to finish His preaching in the temple at the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles. And Last week, we saw Him begin to earnestly plead with those that were listening to truly understand who He was. Uh, to not only hear his doctrine, but to do his doctrine so that they could know and understand God and they could know and understand that he was sent from God. Uh, This week, Christ is going to give us uh, a glimpse of what's to come. We're going to have a little foreshadowing of uh, what is to come. Of course, we know the end of the story. We've already, uh, we have the whole book, so we know that uh, he's going to go to the cross and he's going to be crucified and uh, going to rise again, and then he's going to ascend into heaven. And But we also know uh, the complete end of the story. We know that uh, in the book of Revelation, uh, what is going to happen and how the world is going to end. And uh, There's a little bit of foreshadowing of both of those in all of this. So um, while we can understand this, the Jews at the time, uh, they couldn't see it, partly because... They didn't understand what Christ was speaking about, but also because their pride and their traditions were keeping them from it. And even today, uh, their pride and their traditions are keeping them from understanding who Christ really was. So, tonight, John chapter 7, we're going to start in verse number 32, and we're going to finish up the chapter. So, John chapter 7 and verse number 32, the Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me, and where I am, thither ye cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go that we shall not find him? Will he go unto the dispersed among the Gentiles, and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this, that he said, Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me? Where I am, thither ye cannot come. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But thus spake he of the Spirit, which uh, they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of them, and some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have ye not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Then answered them the Pharisees, Are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Nicodemus saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, Doth our law judge any man before it hear him, and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. And every man went unto his own house. Let's pray. Father God, again, we, we beseech you tonight. Lord, we beg you, please speak to us. Give us your truth. 
Help us to understand what you have for us in these verses. Lord, guide and direct. Show us the error of our ways. Show us the path to you. And Lord, give us the wisdom to follow it. So Lord, please speak to us tonight. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Pharisees and the chief priests have have had enough. They have sent men to arrest Christ. They are tired of the heresy that he is preaching or that they claim he is preaching. We must remember that at this time, uh, God had only spoken directly to a couple of people in over 400 years. Remember the time uh, before Christ's birth, before the, the angel Gabriel came to Mary and Joseph? God was silent. He, there was no open revelation up until we find uh, God meeting with Zechariah in the temple and, and telling him that he's going to have a son and to name him John. And then we see, of course, the angel coming to Mary and Joseph and proclaiming that Jesus is going to be born and the miracle that is going to happen there. And then we see that John the Baptist, uh, the doctrine that he teaches, the doctrine that he preaches, obviously has come from God and Jesus himself. And these are really the only people that we understand that God speaks to or that God deals with personally in all of this time. There's no open corporate revelations. And the revelations that were given were not shared with the whole nation. So at this time in the, in the lives, in, the, in the, the history of the Jews, they are as far away from God as they have ever been. Yet they believe that they are exactly where they're supposed to be. They believe that their traditions, that, that their, their knowledge of the law, their, their strict obedience to the law is keeping them close to God. But it's their pride and their self-will that's keeping them away from God. Of course, I see myself before I got saved in these men. I see men full of pride, pride in themselves, pride in their education, pride in their traditions, and yet ignorant of what is really true. We, t- we talked about it this morning. Is, uh, I was growing up, I, 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 was he- I heavily loved science, and I would look at and study how things were made and how things uh, worked and looking at the body and the plants and how all of that functioned. But in my pride, I could not see the Creator. I couldn't get to the point of understanding that it was, it's not by chance, that it absolutely is on purpose. It's funny, uh, if you take a, a fine watch or this iPad or even this book, something simple, as simple as this Bible, you take it and you lay it on a table and curious people will ask who put it together. It, it has right on it. Uh, this one came from um, Church Bible Publish- Publishers. Uh, they're the ones that bound it. They're the ones that assembled it. Something as simple as some thread and some paper and some glue, we understand that it didn't just happen by chance. They didn't just throw all these things in the air and they came to be in one place. Yet something as complex as our the hair on our head or the, the blood in our body, we think just happened by chance. Israel was blinded because they thought that they were serving the Lord when they were serving one of their own making. They had twisted and perverted God's word. 
they even go on in the end of what we read. They say, search the scriptures. No prophet cometh out of Galilee. Well, they're right. There isn't a prophet from Galilee. But Jesus isn't from Galilee. Now, Jesus spent a good majority of his life in Galilee, but that's not where he's from. That's not where he was born. But Christ, as they, 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 the Pharisees and the chief priests, they've had enough. They've sent these men to arrest them. Christ simply doesn't allow it. He speaks to the officers as they come to him. He says, yet a little while am I with you. He goes on to begin to preach and to teach them. And they're so mesmerized. They're so affected by what he says that they can't arrest him. He's essentially saying, don't worry, I will only be a thorn in your sides for a little while longer. But it isn't my time yet. God will not allow anything to happen outside of his perfect timing and will. And this should be an encouragement to us. God is not going to allow Christ to be arrested until it is time for him to be arrested. Just like as we looked through the book of uh, Ruth and we saw uh, Elimelech and Naomi leave, God allowed them to leave Israel. He allowed them to go into Bethlehem. And he allowed them to go at a certain time knowing that they would uh, come across Ruth. They would come across uh, Orpah that their sons would fall in love and they would get married and that Ruth would come back. That was all in God's perfect timing. We should be encouraged. Everything that's going on in the world today, everything that's ha that has already happened and everything that will happen is happening because that's what God wants to happen. That's what God desires of us. It's happening for our good, for our nurture, for our admonition. Romans 8.28 says, For all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to His purpose. All things. Nothing happens without His approval. Joseph went to the pit, then to Potiphar, then to prison, and then to the palace, all in God's will and all in God's time, so that Israel could be saved from the famine. A famine that uh, God caused for them to learn, for them to grow. Moses was born and shipped off or sent off into the the water in the in the ark at a specific time so that Pharaoh's daughter could find him and he could be raised in Pharaoh's house. And then when his time was fully come to where he began to understand who he was and where he came from, he was standing there at a specific time to witness these two men fight and, and uh, to witness them be, be beat by the Egyptian and he kills the Egyptian. Now, God doesn't condone murder, but all of this happened because Moses needed to get out. He needed to get out of Israel or out of Egypt. He needed to go away to where God could get a hold of him, to where God could speak to him and teach him and bring him back a changed man so that he could lead Israel out of bondage. God allowed all of it. Satan was allowed to work in the life of Job, but only up to a point. Remember the first time uh, God said, you can take everything he has, but you can't touch his flesh. And then the second time God said, you can touch his flesh, but you can't take his life. He was given limits. He was given bounds. And Satan obeyed them. That, that's, 
that should be a, a heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching thing for us to understand that there are times where Satan is more obedient to God than we are. Jesus says, yet a little while am I with you. Well, today is yet a little while. Today, it is yet a little while and I will return. No longer is Christ prophesying that he's going to uh, be crucified and buried and he's going to go and, and ascend unto heaven. Now it's he's going to return. He's going to return in the clouds to take the church and then he's going to return uh, bodily to this earth to rule and reign for a thousand years. Praise the Lord. Christ continues, Yet a little while am I with you, and I go unto him that sent me. Christ is again reminding them that he is sent from God. But he's also giving them a glimpse of what's going to happen as he's crucified, he's going to be buried, and he's going to rise again. And then when he rises again, remember he was here for about 40 days. And then he ascended into heaven. He set everything in order, got the apostles squared away, got them sent out on Pentecost, and then he ascended into heaven to be seated at the right hand of God, right next to the man, the Father that sent him, exactly as he said he was going to. He was going home. And he told them that where he went, they could not find him. The reason that they can't find him is because they're not seeking God. He's gone through this over and over again with them. They, they are not listening to God's word. They are not hearing and understanding what God has given to them. They're not doing his doctrine. They're not doing his will, so they can't understand his doctrine. He's not telling them that they can't come to him because he's not allowing it. They can't come to him because they're not allowing it. That's the way it's always been. The door is open. The door, it's ready. It's already been prepared. The way has been prepared. But if we don't choose, we can't go. Speaking of today, his earthly body has ascended into heaven. And the sad truth is that for those who are left behind here on earth as he uh, returns in the clouds to take out the church, his witness here on earth today, for those that are left who have had the chance to understand the gospel and rejected it, they will not be able to go. They will not be able to find him. They will be blinded. Their hearts will, be, will have sealed their fate and their destination. Now, through the tribulation we in the millennial reign, we understand that there will be some that are saved. We find that in the book of Revelation. But those who get saved during this time, I think specifically of the 144,000, the 12,000 from each tribe of Israel, those are children that are born during those times that have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel, that have never had the chance to reject it. They'll be given that chance. There will be children born that are given that chance to know and understand who Christ is as he's ruling here on earth. And if they don't believe him, their destination is sealed. But the Jews, they, they can't understand this. As, they, as they're listening to Christ teach, they say, well, well, will he go to the Gentiles? To them, the worst thing on earth, the only place they can't find him is if he's with the Gentiles. 
as if he's with somewhere where they can't go because it's unclean. But when Christ went to the cross, the physical earthly kingdom that God, uh, God was offering, that offer was no longer available to the Jews. Now it is switched to a spiritual kingdom. And now, yes, he has gone to the Gentiles. They sealed their own fate. He has gone and, and preached to the Gentiles. He's allowed the Gentiles to be brought into his family. He's still seeking that family for the Jews, but he's gone to the highways and the hedges. Those that were bidden to the wedding have, have neglected to come. And he's gone to the highways and hedges and brought in all that would come. And he goes on to teach that those that would... Where's that? Verse number 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now we understand that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable but we also understand that at this time, when Christ is physically living this, the Gospels hadn't been written. The New Testament hadn't been written. The scripture that he's speaking of is the Old Testament. The books of Moses, the books of Samuel, the history books. All of those books speak of him and speak of salvation. They had the opportunity. They had the information. We looked this morning at, at several verses, uh, verse chap, Romans chapter number 1 and verse 20 and 21 that it says the heavens declare the glory of God. That there's no excuse for anyone to not understand who God is. They had already had everything they needed. Jesus says, if you believe on me as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now we understand this is not physical water this is spiritual water this is uh, it goes on to tell us in verse 39 that he spake of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive for the holy ghost was not yet given us today as born again believers those of us that are saved have immediately received the holy ghost he's moved into us he he's indwells us and we're able to preach and teach the word of god and out of that flows that spirit of living water that gives life for eternity He's speaking of today. He's pleading with them to believe the word that God had already given. To truly know and understand who God is and who Christ is. And if they would do this, they would be able to point others. Out of their very being would come the water of life. When you're truly saved and, and you are living for God, you're allowing God to direct everything in your life, you can't help but look like God. You can't... It, it, he permeates every part of your being. I've been reading uh, George Mueller's autobiography and uh, a man that, that prayed and prayed and studied and preached and lived by faith he took what, what God had taught him, what he had seen in the Bible, and he lived it. George Mueller believed that he should never ask anyone for a donation. He believed that God would supply all of his needs. So he never went 
and tried to gather money for his orphanages. He just simply prayed. We've heard story after story of uh, the, the one that sticks out most in my mind is Brother Mueller is, is praying and, and he's getting ready to start the day and, and they have nothing to give the children in the orphanage for breakfast. They have no milk, they have no bread, they have nothing. And he brings all the children in and he sits them down and they pray and they thank God for the food that they're about to receive when there's no food there. And as they're in the middle of prayer, a knock is heard at the door and he answers the door and it's the baker. And the baker says, Brother Mueller, the Lord placed it on my heart to bake you this bread. And he brings in the bread. But they still have nothing. They have no water. They have no milk. And they again sit down and they begin to thank God for the bread and they thank God for for what he's going to do and, and for providing for them. And in the middle of all of that, there's another knock on the door and it's uh, one of the local farmers and he's on his way to market. And, and he, he says, I'm sorry, but uh, the cart is busted on, my, the wheel is busted on my cart. I have all of this milk. I can't fix the wheel with the milk on the cart. Could you use the milk so I can fix the wheel? Mm-hmm. Story after story of times in, in his life where he just trusted God and did what God had told him to do. Where he prayed for for over 60 years for people to get saved. Died not knowing whether they did and they got saved at his funeral. He lived a life that was permeated by God. He couldn't help but look like God. The Lord flowed out of every part of his being. Christ is, is pleading with them to understand that they have this opportunity. They don't have to live this life that they've been living. They don't have to live under the law. They don't have to to live looking over their shoulder wondering if they're going to make a mistake. I think about the Catholics today. I I talked to my friend Steve up in Holstein uh, earlier this week and um, he was telling me about some of the things that were going on in the the church there. And and I, I, I think about all the times that he's, he's had to go to confession because he's done something in his life and now all of a sudden he doesn't have access to God because there's sin there. But he has to go and tell it to a priest so that the priest can pray for him. He spends his life thinking that if he sins too much, the scale is going to tip the wrong way and when he dies, he's going to go to hell. I... I been driving, taking Rachel to work and been passing on Lincoln Way, uh, Madison, Nevada, Lincoln Way anyway. Uh, there's been a, a memorial out front of a, a house there for a young lady that was killed and uh, for over a week. And Every time I drive by there, there's been people sitting there praying, lighting candles because they're stuck in that Catholic faith thinking that if they light, they light enough candles, they say enough prayers that young lady is going to get out of purgatory and be able to enter into heaven. I hate to tell you, she's where she is and that's where she's going to be. There's nothing here on earth that we can do. (coughs) She's already made up her mind. But these people still can't get their heads around it. Many of the people began to to believe and and say of a truth, this is the prophet. Now remember we talked about the prophet uh, back when Nicodemus was was, uh, speaking with Christ by night. 
uh, it's a reference to the Old Testament, to uh, the man that was going to come, and, and it's a reference to the Messiah. But they say he is the, the prophet, he is the Christ. But then they go on to say, well, can Christ come out of Galilee? Again, they're letting what they think they know of Christ, what they think they know of him here on earth, affect what they should see, what they should understand. I think about us today as we, uh, I, I was watching a, a short video, a man that uh, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to endorse his doctrine ever, or he's a, he's a rap star or something like that, but, but he was making a very good point about how Christ, when he was here on earth, went to the wicked. He sat and ate with publicans and sinners. Uh, he, he defended the adulterers. He, he, he healed those, the, the lepers, those that were unclean, that were cast out of society. He went to the castaways. He didn't go to the people that were healthy, that, 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 were, that were righteous in their own eyes. And he likened that to the way things are today in the church. Or, I guess he compared that to the way things are today in the church. Because today, if he had walked into a church service with the tattoos all over his face and the piercings and uh, the, his general appearance, there are many, even in our churches, that would have turned away. That would have tried to push him away. They wouldn't have shown him the love of Christ. Because we take our perception and we judge based on our perception. And we leave God out of the picture. We leave the facts of Christ out of the picture. This is exactly what Israel was doing. No prophet can come from Galilee. Well, yes, Christ spent a great part of his life in Galilee we have to remember he was born in Bethlehem. And then he fled to Egypt because the Lord came to Joseph in a dream and said that Herod was going to kill all of the children and told him to go to Egypt. And when he came back from Egypt, instead of going back to Bethlehem, he went to Galilee. Christ is of the lineage of David. We see that through Joseph. He fulfilled everything that they're using against him in verse number 42. Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem? All of these things Christ fulfilled, but they refused to see and understand it. And they want to persecute him even more. Everything they knew of him was false. But when the officers returned to the chief priests and the Pharisees, they returned empty-handed. There was a division. And the chief priests and the Pharisees are, are, are upset and begin to judge the officers. Are, do they believe on him? Are, are they? Why have you not brought him? Well, because no man spake like this man did. He spoke with authority. He spoke firm in his truth and his knowledge. What he was saying was undeniable. 
And he wasn't speaking the heresy that the Pharisees were showing, that they were drumming up against him. And the Pharisees continue to seek to destroy him. And now we see Nicodemus come back. Nicodemus that came uh, to Jesus in John chapter 3 by night as a Pharisee, as a, as a member of the Sanhedrin. Nicodemus now returns to the, to the council and he says, is it our custom, is it our law to judge a man without knowing who he is, without knowing what he saith and knowing what he doeth? Knowing what he does? He points out that they are judging Christ rashly. They, those in power simply don't like what they're hearing. They're getting their toes stepped on. So they're trying to destroy Christ. They can't discredit anything that he said. It's absolute truth. He is correctly interpreting the law and he is more righteous than they are because he is the Son of God. But he's stepping on their toes. He's drawing people away from them. He's causing them to not be as popular. And that's the sole reason that they're seeking to destroy him. Verse number 53, And every man went unto his own house. After all of this, all this time preaching, all this time pleading in the temple, those that began to believe those that, that said he is the Christ, he is the prophet, those that, that thought they understood, they all went to their own homes. No one in the crowd chose to follow him. No one chose to act on what they heard. What a great view of today. Again, we have no excuse. Not just the lost world has no excuse of not knowing who Christ is, but the church has no excuse of not following the truth. Yet, we hear convicting truth and we choose to ignore it. We choose to, to just go back to what we were doing. There are so many today that, that just check church off of their list. They may even do devotions and sit down and have a time in the Word of God every day. But it's just to check it off their list. It's a habit. Let's not be that way. Let's follow and serve God because we love Him, because He first loved us. I was uh, looking back at, at some of the memories that have popped up and uh, things that we've done over the years and was thinking back to when Rachel and I got married as we're getting ready to go to a couple of weddings this summer and uh, her nephews are getting married and and thinking about all the times in our marriage that I've just checked it off the list 
that that I haven't really loved her the way that I should. That it just has become a mundane day in and day out thing. And then I look at how I treat the Lord. I definitely got my toes stepped on this week. There needs to be a change. 